0: Our God is for you. He loves you. He created you, and he created you for a purpose. And it's our prayer this year that God's hand of favor will be all over you so that he can create some explosive change in your life to make a difference in your life and in the lives of others. You're blessed to be a blessing. Let's pray together. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your love for us. That you are for us. And when we walk through difficulties and pain and problems, Lord, you are still for us. And you're the one that will see us through. And I just pray, Lord, that you would put your hand of favor on everyone in our church, everyone worshiping with us online, everyone at our Atascacita campus, everyone here in the woodlands. Lord, just put your hand of favor upon all of us for your glory. And we ask you to bring about the changes in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our community, in our world that you want to bring. Because you are the creative one. You are the source of creativity. You're the source of all creative change. And that's what you want for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, we're in this series that we're calling Spark, and it's all about how God wants to spark some explosive and creative change in your life this year. And last weekend, I used axes, and we did a little axe throwing. Well, Chris is here with me today, and she got to choose the sport, and so we're gonna do a little archery, and I think we're gonna have a little friendly marriage competition. Always friendly. (laughs) Always friendly. Chris is so competitive. I have to tell you that Um, in anything that we do, she is so competitive. So I'm just warning you so that you'll have an idea of what Chris is about because she's going to come after me. I'll tell you that. Okay, here we go. Why
1: don't
0: you go first? And I am going to go first, doll, <laughs> because I I'm, I know how competitive you are. I never play her in any games that involve <laughs> intellect, uh, like chess.
1: Okay.
0: I'm oh and five hundred and three. Okay, okay, all right, all Do right, your best. all right. And, and look, they the guys gave me like this kitty bow, you know, a kitty compound bow. See what I mean? I mean, there's no power in that.
1: Do you want to go for it again?
0: Yeah, why not? But. I'm just gonna embarrass myself more. Maybe you had something to do with this kitty bow. Can you imagine (laughs) trying to shoot a deer with this thing?
1: I thought those were supposed to be easier to shoot.
0: Oh, it's easy. It just has no power. Okay, here you go.
1: You hang on to that. Okay. I brought my own.
0: (laughs) Yeah, see what I mean? She cheats too. She cheats in church. That's why we cleared out that whole aisle over here.
1: (laughs) I thought that was for your shooting. Okay.
0: Ooh, Um, yeah. You don't wanna mess with her, that's for sure. Hey, this is a little friendly competition, but marriage is not supposed to be competition. We're on the same team, we're to compliment each other. And so would you stand in honor of God's word As we look at our key passage in Hebrews chapter 12, just follow along with me. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning it shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of god consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart you can be seated he's saying here the number one thing that you need to do to experience explosive creative change in your life in your marriage in your family in your workplace in your business is you have to fix your focus. You gotta fix your focus on the right target. Mm -hmm. You you see, whatever you focus on, you'll follow after. Mm -hmm. You get to choose your number one target in life, but once you choose the target, the target takes over, and it draws you to itself. And whatever you follow after will determine your fulfillment in life. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you gotta do to experience creative change, is you gotta choose the right target. Now what is the right target? This passage tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So the target is Christ, to fix our eyes on Jesus. And when it comes to marriage, Jesus has to be the target. You know, when Chris and I aren't fixing our eyes on Jesus, we start trying to fix each other. I don't know if you've ever done that. But when you don't fix your eyes on Jesus, then you realize that your mate is not meeting your deepest needs that only God can meet. And so you're disappointed. We try to fix each other. And it really tears each other down rather than build build us up. And so you've got to know the right target in marriage. So what is the target in marriage?
1: Well, I think... uh that shooting over here side by side is a great illustration of what this looks like. And not just in marriage, but really in any close relationship um, in your family or you know a very, very close friend. Uh, but those very closest inner circle relationships, what it should look like is that what we just did, standing side by side and shooting at the same target. Now, Carrie and I did not know this. When we first started dating, when we first got married, we just didn't know. We thought that we were fixing our eyes on Jesus. We were both believers, but in reality, we were fixing our eyes on each other. And I would try to please Carrie; that was my aim. His aim was to please me. And we felt like we'd hit a bullseye if we were pleasing the other one. It turns out that doesn't really work. That will never be sustainable for the long term. What we need to be doing is fixing our eyes on Christ. So we have to know our target. And I think it's so important to know what it's not. And it's not trying to get along. Our goal in marriage is not to get along. Our goal in marriage is not to just meet each other's deepest needs. Why? Because we found out. We tried. We can't do it. We can't meet each other's deepest needs for for fulfillment and meaning and identity. We just can't do it or to start a family. All these things that we thought were the goal, we thought we were going for the same target, in reality, we were shooting for the wrong thing. And what happens when you start doing that, when you start trying to please each other, that's your goal, you'll always fail, and then you start looking for something else. If you can't, you think, well, this isn't working, maybe I'm shooting for the wrong target, and then try to maybe go after money or after prestige, after influence, and maybe find some way to numb out. But somehow, this whole paradigm doesn't work. Yeah. And we've been married for 37 Years. Of 38 course, this of year? course. Yeah, Thirty-seven years. This year. so Thirty-seven years, time. five months,
0: three days, two hours, one. Yeah, yeah. I just made the last part up, but you anyway. You the
1: whole thing up, but yeah.
0: When you <laughs> said you weren't quite sure, that gave me confidence.
1: Uh, uh-huh. To lie. Yeah.
0: yeah there you uh-huh. go. Thanks. Uh-huh. Well,
1: you're welcome for that. But point you cheated
0: is, in church. I lied in church. I didn't cheat. Yeah, you did. Never mind. Never <laughs> mind. That's, a, that's a whole other story. God will help me deal with my bitterness.
1: <laughs> but. The bottom line is we have to know the real target. We've been married a long time. We've made a lot of mistakes. We love you guys. We want you to learn from our mistakes. We wanna share with you stuff we've done wrong in hopes that you won't have to make the same mistakes. And we've learned what the target really is. And the target is truly to become authentically like Jesus Christ, to become Christ-like. The way C.S. Lewis put it is to become little Christs. We're told to imitate Christ. The Bible tells us really clearly what our goal is. I don't know how we missed it for so long, but that changes the whole way we look at marriage because instead of trying to please each other, we are uh, target practice buddies for life. For life, we are gonna be standing next to each other, shooting at the same target, and there to help each other, encourage each other, uh, sometimes to help correct each other, point things out. But the bottom line is we are headed for the same exact target. And family, marriage, people you live with, this is ground zero for very practical learning and training and practice in what it looks like to develop what the Bible calls fruits of the spirit. All those qualities, those character qualities that, to be honest, any of us can fake with anybody, with our acquaintances, with the people we work with, you can get by. You can do it. You can act like you're kind. People at work might think you're really kind. They might think you're so patient. They might think that um, you are so loving because any of us can sustain that for a little while. But the people we live with, they know the real deal. They end up knowing what we're really like. And so uh, that's why this turns out that we really have to know what we're shooting
0: for. Yeah, I think Chris, that when we went into marriage, and we still fall back into this all the time, is that we feel like we're being unselfish when we try to make the other one happy. I think a lot of unbelievers go into marriage thinking, this is to make me happy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's about my happiness, and life is too short not to be happy, so I'm not happy, so I'm out of here. But I, I think a lot of believers go into marriage with a real faulty concept as well. We think, oh, it's not for me to be happy, it's to make them happy. And it's neither one of those things. It's, marriage is not to make you happy or to make your mate happy, it's to make you holy, to make you more like Jesus Christ. And so, I think that, yeah, I still fall back into it. I think a lot of husbands do, because you want your wife to be happy, and happy you life, feel like, happy yeah, wife, yeah.
1: Happy wife. Definitely, happy
0: wife, <laughs> happy life. And so when Chris is hurting or, she's stressed, you know, I want to fix it for her. But that's not my job. My job is just to be in it with her and to be an encouragement to her and shooting the target at the same arrow for us to become more like Jesus Christ. Because I, ultimately, you can't make another person happy. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, nobody wants
1: to be a project.
0: That's yeah. true, especially when I give you uh, four points and an illustration, a nice story at the end. It's just a sermon. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's really bad news for him. Let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> to to um, approach something like, oh, this is a problem. I know how to fix this one, and that makes me feel very unheard, unvalued. It's like, wait, you didn't even uh, you know really relate to me in this. You just wanted yeah. to jump ahead to fix it mode, to be the hero. When really what I wanted was a companion. And this is something that we are still learning. We are not here to tell you um, that we have arrived and we figured all this out we work really hard at this. Even after all these years, we still work incredibly hard every single week at trying to get better at
0: this. Oh, no doubt. I, I remember uh, years ago, there was a woman in our church who came up to Chris after the service, and she said, you are so blessed. You just get to sit at his feet and just take in those pearls of wisdom.
1: I said, that's pretty much and it And she goes.
0: started laughing, and I thought, what's so funny about that? You are so blessed
1: and and I am I'm so blessed no, I laugh too, because
0: yeah, I was like, you don't really know me
1: but uh, you know, I hate to burst anybody's bubble, but in reality, when we come to church. Uh, you know, you, you like to think that your pastor and his wife are coming listening to praise music all the way and just saying, oh, mm-hmm. this is such a beautiful day and thank you, Lord. And sometimes we feel like that. Yeah. But let's We did be that honest. one time, I remember. Yeah, yeah. one time we, yeah, we wrote it mm-hmm. on the calendar.
0: Was, we were dating. <laughs> yeah.
1: But in reality, it can be really stressful and rushed and busy. And there's a lot. there can be a lot of yeah. stress involved. Yeah. We take two cars now. It works really well for us. Yeah,
0: we, yeah, we haven't had an argument on the way to church in years. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we just do whatever it takes. But what's really helped us, this sounds like such a simple thing to shoot for the same target, which is to become like Christ. But I can't tell you how revolutionary this has been in our relationship because um, your spouse is no longer the barometer that you measure your worth by when this happens. It used to be that if Carrie felt, if I thought he wasn't pleased with me, then I felt like my value kind of just dropped. It just makes you feel like, ugh, wow, the one person who knows me best likes me worst. You know, you just feel like, what is this? The reality is that our identity is fixed in Christ. And we work together a good byproduct of of aiming for the same thing. Sometimes it turns out that, you know, yeah, we have great feelings and great days, Mm -hmm. but that does not determine where we're at as a person.
0: Yeah, We just work together. I think, too, when, Chris, when we're shooting at the same target, what I've found is that we're expecting God to meet our deepest needs, and we shoot at the same target, it draws us closer together. It's like when you grow closer to God in your marriage, you grow closer to each other. But when you're shooting at the target of trying to make the other one happy, yeah. and then it doesn't work, then you start shooting at each other, saying, you know, what's the problem? How come, you know, you're not happy? You're unpleasable, all these things, because you're, you're really trying to get that other person to meet your deepest needs, mm-hmm. that only God can meet. No human being can do that. That's why a lot of people, you know, they're always upset at their boss, or they're always upset at their circumstances. You know, and and they never take responsibility because they're always expecting somebody else to make them happy, to give them ultimate fulfillment. And it just doesn't work that way. But when you're on the same team, and by the way, single adults, if your target is to find a mate that completes you, that makes you whole, to find the perfect person for you, you're gonna be disappointed. Mm -hmm. But if your target is to become more like Jesus Christ, then you'll be shooting at the target where there will be others shooting at that same target that you'll come in contact with. But I've seen it over and over again when your number one goal is to find that perfect person, that person that makes you whole, and you, you never find that person because you're always disappointed. No one ever measures up and you never think about yourself. I had a friend in college who made this huge list of everything he was looking for in a wife. I mean, it was down to every little detail, color of eyes, everything. He had it all down. And I said, now, Brad, if you ever find this person, which I doubt you will, she's not gonna want you. That's for sure. I said, the list should be the other way around. You know, you, you need to make a list about things you wanna change in your life to become more like Jesus Christ and then maybe that person, if she's out there, might be attracted to you. Yeah. And so. We just get it backwards so many times.
1: The, the verse that really sums up what this should look like is in Proverbs 27:17, which says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Mm. And so that's how Carrie and I see each other is that we are standing side by side, shooting at the same target, and this, we're iron sharpening iron. We are helping each other. We're on each other's team. We're both individuals, but I'm rooting for Carrie. He's rooting for me, that we will both do well, that we will get better and better at hitting the target of being more Christ-like. And it changes things up because instead of um, just wishing that maybe your spouse would um, give up a little bit of me time and spend time with your toddler, you start thinking, you don't just want this for your toddler or for you to have a break. You want this for his good because it's good to learn to be sacrificial and to lay down your wants and needs and help and serve someone else. Instead of just wanting your husband or wife to make peace with their parents or some difficult relationship, it's not just so that you won't have to hear about it anymore, it's because you truly want them to grow in being peace loving and learning how to work through things like this. It changes our motivation. And so for Carrie and I, it's really helped. And when we mess up, we make a mistake. We don't hit the target of being Christ-like. So if we, one of us is angry or grumbling, complaining, you know, lies, whatever it is, something that really misses the mark. And what's interesting, by the way, is that in archery, missing the mark is called a sin. It's spelled the same way, a sin. So when one of us sins, literally misses the mark, I'm becoming being Christ-like. Then we can help them, we can approach them, talk about it. It's not that we ignore it. It's not that we say, that's your deal. Mm-hmm. We share our feelings honestly. Um, we, we share how I feel, but it doesn't carry that um, feeling of, this is therefore causing my identity. You must feel horrible about me. It's like, hey, I love you, and I really want to help you. Yeah. Have you noticed this? And I'll be honest, it doesn't always come out that uh, plain and uh, emotionless in real life. But we, do, we point out each other's um, mistakes and we honestly share our feelings. And then when they do hit the mark, we're able to really cheer for each other and say, yes, wow, that's awesome. I'm so, that's really cool that you did that. I think we're a lot more willing to give grace on small things as a result of this. And we're also a lot less willing to ignore the stuff that's really a, a habit or, of missing the mark. Why? Because we want the best for each other. So I think that kind of sums it up. So we have a few practical tips that we've learned and that have helped us that go right along with this. One is to manage unrealistic expectations. And this is the big one, I think, the main one, which is this is hard stuff. Mm -hmm. This is hard. This is some of the hardest stuff you'll ever do in life. If you are coming here wanting just a you know, a a feel-good message of, hey, you know, you're great, stay the way you are, go along. This isn't it because, you know, in in James it tells us this, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. So the reality is, Life is hard. I wish someone had really set us down and told us that when we first got married. Hey, this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And the deal is, choose your hard. If you do it this way, it's going to be hard. And if you don't, if you uh, choose to sidestep the hard stuff, ignore it, push it down, numb out, whatever you do to ignore the hard stuff, it will come back around. That lesson and, and this verse tells us the tests and challenges are to make us more Christ-like, and we mm-hmm. will have them. The Bible makes a lot of promises to us. One is, in this world, you will have trouble. We shouldn't be surprised. And it's for our good, because we are not what we need to be. And so, over and over, Carrie and I have found, if we sidestep a trouble, it comes back around in a different form until we learn, until we get it. So, it's a yeah. lifelong process.
0: I think, Chris, that you know, marriage is too... Broken, imperfect people with different backgrounds, different uh, attitudes, uh, different needs, different desires, different personalities, and you come together and share everything, Mm -hmm. shooting at the same target, and you're going to have sparks of conflict. And the way it usually works is some couples are just in constant conflict, and they never get anywhere, and those marriages don't usually last. Um, They've done study after study where they've uh, videoed couples for five minutes in an interaction and argument and the way they interact, you know, they predict how long they're gonna be together. And it's pretty accurate because if you just stay in that state of conflict all the time where the sparks are always flying, then it's gonna wear you out. But yet then I think most couples that stay together, what happens is they settle. You know, it's like, eh, you know, this is the way it is. And so they settle for superficial, but it's the conflict the sparks of conflict, it's not having conflict all the time, but it's having conflict because you're being real, you're being honest about your feelings, what's going on in your life, your needs, what you want, what you desire, all those things, you get honest about those things and then you have conflict. But then you learn to stay at the table and understand a little more of each other. I think that's one of the things that has been really powerful in our lives that we've learned through marriage counseling. Uh, we do marriage counseling once a week for years, and it's the best investment you know we've ever made. And it just gives someone else with an outside perspective that loves Jesus you know, to, to help us. And one of the things that, that I've learned over the last few years is that I would always try to tell Chris that her feelings were wrong. She would say, Carrie, I just feel this and that, and i think, what? You know, uh, I just feel like you thought this or you thought that. And it's like, no, don't worry about it. I didn't feel that at all. But that didn't solve it. It just made it a lot worse. But now, if I was talking to a guy and they said, yeah, I just feel like you don't like me. And I say, like, oh, no, I was just thinking of something else and I've got a lot of stress. And they go, oh, okay, that's cool. We're great. That's the way guys are. You know, guys, you, you criticize a guy and that means you like them. It's like, you know, men playing church softball and, and, and a guy, you know, is on second base and, and then there's a hit and he makes it all the way home. You say, man, you're so fat, you can't even get home. You know, that's crazy. And my goodness, you're so slow, you're so old. You know, man, you almost didn't make it. That was awesome. He goes, yeah, man, you guys really like me, don't you? It doesn't work for a woman, you know?
1: Yeah, but I mean, it, it's,
0: like, it's like, Chris, just trust me. I, I wasn't thinking any of that stuff, so you don't have to worry about it. Your feelings are wrong. That doesn't work. So I'm learning to.
1: So if you don't learn anything else, you can take that home, yeah.
0: Yeah, take that, write, write that down. <laughs> write that down, you know. No one knew that, and I just learned it last week. So, uh, but, but what we try to do now is, you know, I just try to understand, the Bible says, uh, husbands, try to understand the wife you live with. So I will never understand completely this beautiful, mysterious, amazing, adventurous, passionate woman until we get to heaven. But the Bible says try to understand the woman that you are married to. And so it's all about me trying to understand her feelings. Instead of me saying, you know, no, that's wrong. It's just trying to understand. And so we do reflective listening where I try to repeat back kind of what she's saying to me but, man, I want to just go, that's wrong, that's wrong, you know. I, I, no, you, you don't understand. I mean, that's, you know, and then I want to, you know, try to fix it or, or change her feeling when she's feeling down. But it's not my job to make her happy. It's my job to un- be understanding, try to understand the hurt she's feeling. But, and man, I want to defend myself.
1: I think part of that is something you just touched on is just humility, is having an attitude of humility to get a team around you. Again, I wish someone had told us this, Mm -hmm. you know, when we first got married or after 10 years or after Mm -hmm. 20 years, at some point it said, hey, you need examples. None of us know everything. And if we want to learn in any area of our life, we've always understood intuitively that we need a teacher. If you need to learn more how to do math, then you will have a math teacher. The reason we have teachers at schools because they know more than the students in whatever subject they're teaching and you learn from them. If you are playing a sport or a musical instrument, you want a teacher because you want to get better and you understand that you need someone who has already done this, who is better than you to teach you the ropes. But somehow in relationships, in the most important part of our lives, the one thing that really matters at the end of our lives, we almost completely fail to look for help, to look for examples, for teachers, for ways to do things. Everything in Scripture, of course, is a wonderful teacher. But Carrie and I found we needed uh, people with skin on, you know, something to help us along the way. And so if you're part of Woodlands Church, there's no excuses because, you know, we have life groups. There's lay counseling available. and We have on Tuesday night, we have all kinds of groups that come meet here. Child care is provided. And you can have more in-depth training There's all kinds of opportunities. Carrie and I have always looked for someone who's a little older than us, a little farther down the road in marriage to use as examples, and we talk to them, to use as mentors. And so we have a few couples in our lives now who are 10 or 20 years older than us, even older than us, even us as grandparents. We're still need, it's like, hey, I've never done this stage before. You know, how did you do it? How did you handle this? And that's been really helpful for us. In Philippians, it says this, How much more should we humble ourselves and say, you know what, I don't have it all together. I I, I just don't, I want to learn. I want to do better at this and to keep trying. And that means doing things in new ways. And so maybe you've never done anything like that. Maybe you've never talked to anyone, never uh, had marriage counseling. We are wholehearted proponents of marriage counseling. As Carrie said, it's great to have a third person just to kind of bounce things off of, to be able to have a different viewpoint. And there's always stuff we can learn. Yeah. I mean, all the time. And, we
0: don't settle. That's been yeah. a, a real key, is that whenever we get stuck, and we get stuck a lot, we don't settle. We want to have the marriage God wants us to have. You know, looking to Him, mm-hmm. and uh, we don't settle though when we get stuck. It's like, we're gonna do whatever it takes with God's grace and power, not to settle mm-hmm. on a superficial level We're gonna work through this, and we're gonna get through this, and we're gonna find what God has for us in this.
1: A big help for both of us has been writing things down. Instead of just, talking is important, but spending time, each of us by ourselves, writing things down, journaling, you know, writing down our feelings, over and over and over. Something I've noticed about Jesus that is so interesting to me is that when you go through the Bible, you see he's asking questions all the time. I mean, here is the God of the universe who knows everything. He's all knowing, and yet so often, when he encounters someone, the first thing that he says is a question. He says, "Who do you say I am? What do you want me to do? What does Scripture say?" Over and over, he asks questions, and that, of course, even though he knows the answer, it makes the other the person he's speaking with introspect and think, "Okay, what am I really feeling?" What do I feel like? What what are my instead of just being mad and when Carrie and I talk with each other, or if we're arguing with with each other, it's easy to let emotions run away with you and you just start spouting all kinds of things out. It takes a lot more discipline to make yourself sit down and write down. Take the time to write down what you're feeling and really process through that. And also during our quiet times, during our times with the Lord each day, taking the time to write it down. It's great if you can go and just read a few verses if that's where you're at, but I can't tell you how much it's meant to Carrie and I to when we read something, read God's word, you read a chapter whatever it is you're, where you're at that day, write down what he shows you. Yeah. And For me, it looks something like just writing down what happened, summarizing my words, what happened, and then I think, so what? Meaning, so what difference is that gonna make in my life today? What difference should be going on in my relationships? What can I learn? And when the God of the universe tells you something, take the time to write it down. Because even if you don't need it in that minute and that day, it's like hay in the barn. And a day will come when you do need what God just poured into you. Mm -hmm. And writing it down makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, and we have a a plan to help you out this year. We're doing a video devotional, our family is, And it's taking you through the book of John one chapter at a time. It's Monday through Friday, so connect with us on any of our platforms. It's called Follow the Light because we want God to spark creativity and passion and give us new paths, new ways of relating, uh, new dreams, new visions for this year. And so the way to do that is follow the light, Jesus Christ. And one chapter a day in the book of John, write down what you learn, but we do about a five-minute video devotional each day, Monday through Friday. So connect with it tomorrow and really start spending time with the light and God will start opening up and illuminating new paths, new directions, creative change in your life.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think the bottom line is um, just leaving room for God to work. You know, having that humility, it's kinda like um, you have pro games, pro football teams, college teams, high school teams teams always gather after the big game, the next day or whenever, and they sit and they watch game tapes. They watch the film. Why? Well, whether they won or lost, there's always something to learn. They think, okay, what did we do wrong here? There's always areas to improve in. And so they step back and not in the heat of the moment, not right during the game, but they step back and they think, what worked, what didn't? And why do they do that? Because another game's coming. Because there's another game coming the next week. And so that's something that Carrie and I have learned is, you know, if we have an argument when, you know, something comes up, if there's a tough issue, there's something we haven't got through, is being disciplined to step back and say, okay, what happened there? What was that? What, what's going on with us? How can we do this differently? What can we put into our lives? Leaving room for change. You know, God is at work. That is the promise of hope. If you feel stuck today in your relationship, that's what we want you to know is that there is hope. It's because in Philippians, it tells us God is the one who began this good work in you. And I am certain that he won't stop before it is complete on the day that Christ Jesus returns. You see, God is at work in Carrie's life and God is at work in my life. He wants each of us all of us to become more like him. And he is no itinerant workman. He is not gonna give up. He's not gonna start a project and then just forget it and walk away and leave it there. He promises us he's going to finish what he started. He is going to bring us to completion. He wants us to become more like Christ. We have, he has great plans for us. We all come into this world alone and we're all going to leave alone. Carrie and I don't even like to think about that. I mean, it can bring tears to my eyes to even think about that. Neither one of us wants to be the one left standing without the other one, you know? And
0: That's why we want to do it like the notebook. They just will themselves to die in the notebook. It was so inspiring. Some of you ladies love the notebook. Chris loves the notebook. It's like, okay, let's just will ourselves, let's die. At the same time. How exciting.
1: But if that doesn't happen,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, if if that does happen, you can all think, oh good, they went out happy. But if it doesn't, we we have to live with this understanding, you know, eyes wide open saying, you know what? We're each going to leave this life alone, standing before God by ourselves to answer for how we handled the opportunities that he gave us, answer for the choices that we made. And, you know, I love Kerry and I want him to do well. I want him to be ready on that day to stand before God. And he wants me to be ready. And so, you know, it's messy Sometimes working this out in real life is messy and it's hard and there's good days and there are hard days but God is going to um, finish his work. He's going to finish what he started and just recognizing, oh, that's what's going on. You know, the goal in life and in marriage and all our close relationships is not just to get along and to please people because that was never the point anyway. God is the only one that we need to please.
0: Yeah, I think that... um commitment is such a key, because commitment means being willing to be miserable for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, hey, we're gonna figure this out, we're gonna work through this, knowing that God is gonna see us through. He's gonna bring us to a new level, to a new place. Mm -hmm. You see, we get stuck sometimes in the pain, and it's really hard to see the future because of the present pain. Mm -hmm. But you wanna ask the Lord to give you hope, because, he can create change in a marriage that hasn't seen change in years. that has been stuck for years. We've seen God do miracle after miracle at will and church and we want you to be ready when you go to meet God. And Let's go back to Hebrews 12 again, beginning with verse two. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. On the cross, Jesus looked past his present pain, and he saw the joy that was coming. And what was that joy? The joy was you, me. The joy was that because of his pain that he went through, we got to be in heaven with him forever. We get to be connected to our creator, God. We get to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he saw you. He saw us. Mm -hmm. And he endured the pain. And so when you're going through pain, you start to lose hope. And so you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. Look at the cross Mm -hmm. and Christ on the cross and see that he endured all of that He endured carrying the sins of the world, carrying all my sins and screw ups. He endured all of that because of the joy that was set before him. He saw the joy that was coming because he loved you and I so much. And so sometimes when you're waiting for a miracle in your marriage, you start to lose hope. Or when you're waiting for that mate to come along that you've been praying for and praying for and praying for and it's not happening, you start to lose hope. When you're waiting for that deep wound to heal in your life, you start to lose hope. It's in the waiting rooms of life where God does his greatest work in our hearts. Waiting on God to come through, but what happens is you start losing hope. You start feeling like this will never change. This will always be the same. This pain will always be here, and that's why you gotta look to Jesus, you have gotta look to the cross of Jesus Christ, and as you look to the cross, he'll start giving you hope where there is no hope. Last week we said that God can create something out of nothing. We human beings can create, we have to create out of already existing matter, but God creates out of nothing, and you may have no hope. There may be no change, no signs of change in your marriage, in your life, in your family, but God can create hope where there's no hope when you look to the cross. He can give you just a little bit of light to come into the darkness, and you hold onto that light and you keep looking at the cross, because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, joy is coming, joy is coming. Joy is just around the corner. Don't get stuck in the pain without seeing the light of God's joy that's coming and the only way you can do that is look to the cross. You keep looking at the cross, and who Jesus says you are, that you're righteous in him, a child of God. He loves you so much that he thinks you're worth dying for. Mm -hmm. You see up here on our stage, up high on both sides by the big screens, there's these huge metal panels, and they're crosses that are cut out of them. And we cut these crosses out before this series started and what we're gonna do today after everything's over and you're walking out, we have these huge metal walls out there and if you wanna make a commitment that this year you're gonna seek the target that matters, you're gonna focus and fix your focus on Jesus Christ and becoming more like Jesus Christ and that's your goal, then we want you to write your initials in the metal out there and this week, We're gonna laser cut them out and we wanna give you a cross to take home as a family or as a married couple or as a single adult and you're saying, you know what, I'm gonna look to Jesus, my target's gonna be Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, and I missed the mark many times but that's gonna be my target, Jesus Christ. Becoming like Jesus Christ. My goal in life is not to be happy because if your goal in life is to find happiness, you will never find it. Mm -hmm. You only find happiness when it's not your goal anymore, Mm -hmm. when Jesus Christ and becoming like Christ is your goal. That's what you were made for. Mm -hmm. And so we wanna, will not you just bow right now in prayer. Mm -hmm. Would you stand with me and and bow? And if you've never received Jesus Christ in his free gift of forgiveness, see, that's what the cross is all about. He endured all the shame so we don't have to bear shame anymore. We can go right to the cross. We can admit in our flesh our sins and selfishness and pride and all of the things that try to pull us away from God, and we can bring it to the cross and experience forgiveness Mm. and live in our true identity who Christ made us to be. But if you've never received Christ, just pray this prayer right now silently to God. Dear Jesus Christ, I need you. I admit it. I need you to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I receive your free gift of heaven one day that I could never earn or deserve, and I want you to be the Lord of my life, and I want to follow the light from now on. I thank you, Lord, that you have great joy ahead for me. Through pain and problems, you're gonna see me through. And then, Lord, I pray for those here today who are in marriages where they're just really stuck, Lord. They're just, it's just pain, Lord, and it's just hurt. Give them just a little light of hope. Help them to look to you, Jesus. We can't control what another person does, but, Lord, we can choose our own actions and our own focus and our own target. Help them choose, Lord to hit the target, to follow you, to follow the light and give them that glimmer of light, illuminate their path, and Lord, I pray that you would just bring that spark of light into their marriage and change everything in your name, Jesus Christ, for your glory. is only you can, and Lord, help us all to do the things you call us to do, to never settle in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our workplaces, Lord. I just pray for single adults that maybe they've gotten a little off target lately. Help them get back on target, Lord, just to follow you, Jesus. Because when we follow you, Jesus, the path becomes clear. You light up our path. When we follow you, the path finds us. And I pray that you would do that in their life. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Remain standing Woodland church because we're gonna sing to the Lord because mm-hmm. yeah. God is all that you need. Mm-hmm. And when you focus on him, he starts giving you all those other things. You see, Chris and I can meet needs in our lives. We, we seek to meet each other's needs, to put the other ahead of ourselves. But we know only God can meet our deepest needs. And when we look to the Lord, it sets us free to meet the needs that we can meet, to accept each other, to love each other, to not try to fix each other, but to not settle. And so let's look to Jesus, because he is Jireh. That's one of the names of God's names in the Old Testament, and it means that he provides. He's right on time to meet the need that you have. Look to him. You look to Jesus, I don't know what your need is today. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's a a physical need, physical healing. Maybe it's a marriage that needs to be healed. I don't know what it is today, but God does, and he is the provider. He cares about everything that you need. Jesus always asked people, what is that you need? What, What is it that you need? What is it that you need from me? You can tell him